Let's turn in our Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We're looking at our text of verses 7 through 18. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 18. It says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in your body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We, having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak. Knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's pray. Father, we come to thee. We do again thank you for the opportunity that is ours to gather at thy feet to hear thy word. I do ask that our hearts are attentive to thee, that we've setting aside the cares and distractions, the concerns of our lives that, Father, can so easily draw us away from hearing and being yielded vessels in your hands. But truly, may you have our full attention this morning, our hearts and minds, so that you may mold us and shape us as believers who are gathered into the image of Christ, our Savior. We pray, Father, that we would go forth rejoicing, Change truly, Father, into thy image of thy Son and our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he may be seen more clearly as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I was going to have uh, a visual here, if you will, an object lesson, but I realize distance can make it kind of hard. It would have to be a pretty big uh, object lesson. So I want to put it in your mind's eye. You have a glass, and it is partially filled. Now, when we look at that glass, what is our thought? And this is keeping it in your mind. I don't want to hear the answers. Is it half full or is it half empty? When we see that glass... Do we consider it half full, or do we consider it half empty? I want us to consider this morning, as we look at this passage, 
that for the believer, ultimately, I'll go ahead and answer the question, we should always see it as being half full, not half empty. Say, how do you get that from this passage? We'll find it. We often will use that object lesson, if you will, as a view of our life. But I ask ourselves, let's see what Paul has to say concerning our lives. Because we often will see our lives as being half full or half empty. Where are we? How do we view these things? But notice as Paul writes to the Corinthian church, this is his second epistle, and uh, for those in the adult Sunday school class, we've, we've been in Corinth today. We know the founding of this church, and uh, eventually Paul is going to write 1 Corinthians and then 2 Corinthians to them. And we know that if you're familiar with the scriptures, that it is a troublesome church, especially when you read the first epistle. Chapter after chapter after chapter, Paul is addressing problems that have come to his ears that need to be addressed and corrected. And uh, we come to the second book and we see that some things were made right and we rejoice. And uh, he continues with his instruction, if you will, and it reminds them of the character. I, I like what um, Ryrie uh, has for his notes as he outlines it. He has the character of the ministry. It's supernatural, verses 1 through 6. And then he notes the circumstances of the ministry. And uh, his focus is Jesus Christ. Notice as he not starts off in our section, verse 7, first of all, we have Christ in nondescript vessels. We've looked at this passage before, and we're looking at it again. He tells us, he says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. A clay pot, which is what we are. We're just dirt mingled with water, if you will. We come from the dust of the ground. And uh, I never did tell this to my mom. I, that would not have been the thing to say to her. <laughs> As, uh, as a young boy growing up, you know, why, do you, why can't you clean behind your ears? Why are you always dirty? Well, I could have told her, well, I'm made out of mud, so... But that's not the thing to tell your mom when you're, when you're uh, being inspected to see whether or not you got clean behind your ears. But I've often thought about that as a grown-up. Well, I am mud, so what do I expect? But uh, anyway, I do clean myself. Try to keep that mud off. But he notes here, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're the earthen vessels. Do we consider ourselves that way? Because he goes on and notes that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. A clay pot, nondescript, Instead of a vase, elegant. Paul is noting if we have the elegant vase, people will tend to think it's the elegant vase when it's not. 
It's what's inside. We have Christ in this earthen vessel. We are the vessel, common, ordinary, nothing fancy about us. It doesn't matter who we are or what we own. We're all earthen vessels. We will return back to the dust from whence we came unless we hear that trumpet sound and the shout and Christ takes us home. But we can expect to go back to the dust. And Paul is reminding them, we're just an earthen vessel. The treasure that's in us, though, now that's something. And he looks back, he says, but we have this treasure. What treasure? Look back at verses 5 and 6, and we find out. It says, but we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Christ's sake. That word servants is doulos, the bondservant. Not diakonos, as it is sometimes used for servant, but it is doulos, the bondservant. The one that we find in the Old Testament who said, you know what? I don't want to be released from your home. I want to serve you for the rest of my life. And so they would take him to the door and they would pierce his ear with an awl. For that whole to forever signify, I listen to him. I serve him. And I do so willingly and freely. Paul notes that we're your servants, but we preach Christ. Not ourselves. We preach Christ. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We who know Christ this morning that are in this auditorium, we have that treasure, do we not? We possess Christ. He lives within us. We're His. And He has taken up residence. And He is with us always. So as we come to verse 7, it begs our question, if you will. Who do people see when they look upon us? Do they see the vessel or do they see Christ? They should see Christ. Yes, we have it in this earthen vessel, but they should see Christ. Think of ladies, if you will, putting flowers in an earthen vessel. Do you want them to see the earthen vessel or do you want them to see the flowers? You say, well, I want them to see the flowers. That's why I have them there. Yes. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. You realize our Christian life is not about us. It's about our Savior. It's His life that's being lived in us. That's being formed in us. And it is that which people are to see. We're just the earthen vessel. 
May they see Christ. We have Christ in this nondescript vessel. Number two, verses 8 through 10. We have Christ in the trials. Paul notes that as he goes on here. He says, we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Say, well, that's kind of the bad stuff. Yes. But Paul notes these things are happening, but it's not over. I'm not neglected. I have these things going on. But he notes that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest or clearly seen in our body. He realizes that the things that he goes through, the troubles, the trials, the tribulations, the distresses, all of this, is that Christ will be seen. That it is Christ. Yes, I'm persecuted. I'm not distressed about it. I'm not concerned about it. I want Christ to be seen. We have Christ in the trials, and Paul notes that. Yes, all of these things are going on. But it's Christ's life that's seen. He is there with us. The world, the flesh, and the devil may treat us badly, but God doesn't leave us. Paul notes that here. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. I I know these things are going on, but I'm not distressed over it. Part and parcel. We're perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I mean, we don't, does any of us understand everything that God's doing in our lives? I don't. Whether that's what we consider good things or bad things, I don't always understand those things. I am perplexed. But I'm not in despair. Having given up hope on who God is, is his plan unfolding? Do I understand all of it? No. But I rest in his care. I trust in his grace and his wisdom and his provision, knowing that he knows what's best. Persecuted but not forsaken, cast down but not destroyed. The writer of Hebrews notes in chapter 13, verse 5, he says, But let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Takes an Old Testament truth and brings it forward and reminds us, God will never leave us nor forsake us. In the midst of the things that we are facing, God is there. Say, but I don't, I don't feel him. I don't see him. You know, I don't see him either. We don't see God with our eyes. We see him with the eye of faith. And he is there with us. He brings us through those trials. We have Christ, who is our life, verses 11 through 14. 
For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in your mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us with you. What a joy and understanding to know that we have Christ who is our life. Yes, this life is going to end in death. Given the natural course of things. I trust we all understand that. Those of us that are older, I think, tend to understand it a little more because we know that that day is closer to us now than when it was when we were much younger. Young people typically do not think about that future event. That's, that's way down the road. And again, those of us that are older, that have seen most of our life go by, and it's gone by quickly, it's like, young people, that day's going to get here sooner than you think. But in the meantime, we don't think about it. But as we get older, we do. Why? Because we tend to see more of our friends passing on. Now, I talk with Howard a lot. I see him once a week, and he notes to me often, I don't recognize anybody in Smith's anymore. Nobody knows me. I say, well, Howard, you are you know, 86 years old. You're not a spring chicken anymore. Most of your friends have passed on. But he's, you know, has that mindset of like, yeah, I wish I recognized, I wish there were here people here that I know. And they're not. He's come to that stage in life where there are getting to be more on the other side than there are with him. But Christ is our life. Yes, death is coming, but there is life. And it is the Christ's life. We have Christ who is our life. And he is the joy and rejoicing of our hearts while we live in this life that he's given to us. And we may face those hardships, but it is Christ who is our life. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, a verse that I, I trust we will put to memory, commit it there. And then often meditate on it. I am crucified with Christ. I'm dead with Christ. Christ was crucified. He died on that cross. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, here's a paradox, I live. I'm dead, but I'm living. How is that? I'm dead to my old self, but I live. How do I live? Yet not I, it's not me, Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. There's the life, the Christ life. Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me 
and gave himself for me. That is a rich verse to just sit and ponder and rejoice in and reflect on and ask ourselves, is this me? Is verse 20 a reality in my life? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We have a life to be lived by faith. I don't know the future. Neither do you. We don't know what God has for us for tomorrow, when Monday arrives, should it arrive. But God does. We live today by faith, our trust in God. It is a life of self-denial and for Christ that ultimately gives life. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus notes in verses 24 through 27, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, and take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. It reminds us here it's far better to live for Christ than to live for ourselves. To live for ourselves is to lose our life. But to live for Christ is to bear rewards, if you will, to hoard things up in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and thieves don't break through and steal. Where it's eternal. Where it is with Christ. We have Christ who is our life. Do we live in the light of that? He's in this vessel that is us. It is our promise that as Jesus lives, so shall we. John chapter 14, verse 19, Yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. You know, the lost, as they consider death, they may have that conversation with us. Do you know where you're going? Yes, I do know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven when I die. I will be in God's presence. Well, how do you know that? Because Christ gave me a promise. Because I live, ye shall live also. We saw that with the resurrection last Sunday. Christ arose from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and hell. And he sits at the right hand of God forevermore. And he is coming back one day to take us to be with himself. Because he lives, we live also. 
Say, in this body? Thankfully, no. I'm not taking this body to heaven. God's going to give us a new body. A perfect body. A painless body. One that won't need any replacement parts down the road. What a joy to consider. And we have Christ, lastly, verses 15 through 18. We have Christ who keeps our perspective. As he closes out this chapter in this section here, he says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now he does a play on words in verses 17 and 18. And he contrasts for us the temporal and the eternal. The now and now, and the by and by, if you will. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Our light affliction. What light affliction? Well, uh, having trouble on every side, being perplexed, persecuted, cast down. If you will, you can look at chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians to find a little more detailed of some of the afflictions that Paul went through. Being beaten with rods, stoned, shipwrecked. All that he lists there. And he calls it here light affliction. Have any of us been stoned to death? That stoning is not just picking up some rocks, you know, by the river that's, that you can put in one hand and throw. These are rocks that you pick up with two hands and you cast them expecting to kill the person with that one stone. often ending up with the body being buried under the stones. Not a pretty sight. Been beaten with rods, with stripes, shipwrecked. I haven't. I look at that list and say, no, Lord willing, it's not on my bucket list. And number two, I... uh, You know, you have those things out on Facebook. How many of these have you... You know, let's put that up there sometime. How many of these have you faced? Uh, I've got a big goose egg right there, a big zero. Nope, I've not faced any of that. So what do I call the troubles that I have? Paul says, oh, that's light affliction. But his perspective is where it should be. Why? Because he's comparing it to eternity. It's a light affliction. I have an eternal weight of glory waiting. It is not the outward man that matters. Doesn't mean that we don't take care of our body. I'm not saying that. But 
In the whole scheme of things, this body is going to go back to its dust or it's going to be changed from being corruptible to being incorruptible. When viewed from God, our trials are insignificant. We are to have that eternal view. We look at verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Well, there you go. There's a work. We don't look on the things that are seen. We look on the things that are not seen. Think that through for a moment. You're seeing things that aren't seen. What do you mean by that? God, the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven. We don't see these things. What awaits us? It says, for the things which are seen, the things we really do see, these are temporal. They're temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. This world's going to pass away. As Peter reminds us, it's going to melt with fervent heat. Gone. This vast universe that just has been getting bigger and bigger, the more we probe into its length and depth and width and height and everything. But there's coming a day and a moment when it's going to be Burned up. It's going to be gone. And a new heaven and a new earth will take its place in perfectness. We have the eternal waiting for us. Is that where our perspective is? When we keep Christ, when we understand it is Christ in us, we keep that perspective. And so let's go back to the glass. Is it half full or half empty? Too often times we see the hardships and fail to see Christ in our midst. We look at the half empty instead of what's our portion. You realize... We can do nothing with the empty portion of the glass. There's nothing you can do with the empty portion of the glass that your focus is on. Because there's nothing there. But with the portion that is full we can be refreshed. May we see that we have Christ who is far more to us than that half full glass of water or other beverage. It is Christ in us that is everything. And truly, he should be the only thing. He is our Savior our God, our Lord, our protector, our creator, our sustainer. And it is he that we should be looking at, as Paul reminds us here. We have this treasure. 
in earthen vessels. Yes. But we have this treasure. We have Christ. The other things Paul is in essence saying is of no consequence because you have Christ. Trials and troubles and tribulations and dying, yes, we're all going to have that. But you have Christ. And he is everything. Is he everything to us this morning, believers? doesn't mean that we stick our head in the ground and disregard the things. I mean, Paul has noted all these things. These things do happen. But ultimately it is, where is our perspective? Where is our focus? Is it on the things that we have no power over? The empty part? Or is our focus on what we do have? That treasure, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if our focus is there, the other part, God will take care of. It's his plan, and he will do with it as he wills. And we can still go on rejoicing. Because Christ is our life. And he's all we need. May it change our focus as we consider this passage this morning. The glass is half full. Because my focus is on what I have, not on the other things. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for thy word this morning. We thank you for the truths that are here that Paul reminds us of. We do have Christ, we who know Christ as our Savior. You reside in us. It is your life that is to be seen in us. Father, we pray that maybe we have viewed things as being half empty. We have placed our focus on that which is not. And sadly, too often, it is to the detriment to that which we have. As believers, we have Christ. He has us. He is our everything. You've given us the promises throughout the scriptures of your care for your flock. So, Father, I pray that if our focus has been out of focus, that you would help us to make those changes this morning. To focus on our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, lived a perfect, spotless life, died on the cross of Calvary, bearing our sins in his own body on that tree. He became our substitute. He took our place because we're the sinners. 
We are the ones who have broken your law and justly deserve the punishment that he took upon himself. Father, he rose again the third day victorious over that, justified, declaring us who have trusted you righteous because of what he accomplished in his death, burial, and resurrection on our behalf. And Father, truly that is something that we can never get over, the salvation that we have in Christ, the new life that we have in Christ. May he be our focus, not just today, not just as we stop and consider these things this morning, but Father, as you tarry and give us life tomorrow, that Christ will continue to be our focus, this treasure that we have in this earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power would be of you and not of us. Do that work in each of our hearts. Draw us close to thee this morning. Truly may our perspective be clear and right, focused on you, living for you, serving you. If there's one here that is lost, Father, I pray that they would see their need of Christ. May we have the opportunity to show them out of the scriptures how they can have forgiveness of sin, to have this new life that is talked about. Do that work in our hearts. And Father, may we go forth rejoicing. It's been good to be in thy house, to hear thy word, to be changed moment by moment by the power of thy word in the working of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.